Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, Ambassador of 805 Connect, and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University's School of Management and Tolman and & Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. also want to thank our podcasting partner, Pullstring Press. I absolutely love coming to work here and to Patrick, my co-host. Hey, Patrick. Hi, Mark. Patrick, we've got a great guest today. I'm looking forward to it. We have with us Claudia Weintraub, who is the director of the River Oaks Academy Charter School down in Westlake Village. Claudia, hello. Hi, how are you? We're great. We're, I've been really looking forward to this conversation. We were introduced uh, by a friend of the show, uh, Greg Van Ness, and uh, I started looking at what you do, and I actually had way more questions than I had answers. So why don't you tell us what River Oaks Academy is all about? Oh, I'm happy to. Um, so River Oaks Academy is a, a public charter school, and we are an independent study charter school. Um, we serve students from TK, which is transitional kindergarten, through 12th grade. And we have our resource center and facility um, in Westlake Village. So we're actually what is called an alternative program for students who kind of don't generally don't fit the regular um, traditional, you know, seat-based classroom and schools. So we have students, you, you, you can probably think of a reason why someone could be here, and I could say, yes, we have that. So um, anything from genius, you know, like maybe our seventh grader who already writes code, to students who may need a little more support and a little more one-on-one attention. Um, I, you, the word went by really quickly, seat-based education. Yes. If this is is this a and I need to be buzzword compliant to understand that Patrick Patrick's a teacher so I, I love I love the way to describe that that sounds great <laughs> seat based so do you make people stand at your school we do <laughs> we put them all in corners no what seat based what seat based means is essentially a traditional school where you go from whatever eight to three and it's classroom based so when we say seat based it's actually a classroom program whereas for us we are an independent study program which essentially means that our students are working for the most part at home and have their parents be what we call their um, academic uh, um, uh, they are in charge of the academics. So I, I know in education, and Patrick may know this, we have all these acronyms, and we're so happy to throw them out, not we, realizing that we love acronyms. You do. don't understand what we're talking about. So, so um, I noticed you didn't use the word homeschooled. Was that on purpose? Well, so in ed, in ed code, which is you know what all schools are kind of governed by here in California, it it's it, it is homeschooling, but education code actually refers to it as independent study. So we have, you know, we have laws and guidelines and compliance requirements that we are following. So if you go into education code, you will actually not find the term homeschooling. You will only find the term independent study. I okay that that makes sense. Is are there um, are there students? At, is there a hybrid model of this where they do a little bit of both? Does that exist even? Well, 
Yeah, there, there is a hybrid model, and actually, um, I, I built that hybrid model. Um, <laughs> well, I, there you go. Yeah, so I, I have I have over nine years of, of experience in, in various um, programs of independent study, and the one uh, before River Oaks was um, a hybrid model where what we did is we had two days of what we called on-site, um, you know, experience for the students. Um, to try to kind of model and, and recreate what a traditional classroom setting would be like. So that would be a different model. And there, there are a variety of different um, independent study programs and models. And sort of, you know, to me, it, it boils down to the 31 flavor approach or the one size does not fit all. Mm. And so we even within independent study, we, we like to give people choices. So. You know, I, I it, it made me think what you just said, uh, the 31 flavors. I was listening to some very high-end doctors talk at a, just in the last week about personalized medicine and actually, you know, that one-size-fits-all doesn't, that's old. And even with actual, the pill that you take, taking this one pill, actually have a personalized pill that goes, it works specifically for you which seems like so futuristic, is what you're able to do through this type of study, personalized education? We call it personalized learning, absolutely. Oh, and do. as a matter of fact, there is an entire organization that's a personalized learning organization um, where we are a part of. Huh. And it is a very personalized approach because ultimately, um, you know, I don't know if you guys have kids. I have three. And if oh, I yes. look at my three kids, all three of them, even though they have the same gene pool, are vastly different. Yep. They learn differently. They, yep. they approach things differently. They have different interests. So so ultimately, if we try, you know, to take all of our kids and just cram them into the same kind of teaching and classroom philosophies and, uh, you know, and this, this one size must fit all kind of approach, it really isn't working. And for some kids, it does. And they're the ones that are just kind of, you know, the happy-go-lucky. It's usually the kids who... Um, you know, fit in the middle of the bell curve and, right. you know, and just follow whatever you tell them to do. And uh, But for others, it really doesn't work. And so we do personalize it. And we actually have what we call a personalized learning plan for our students huh. where we look at their strengths, their weaknesses. And in our case, we also look at their passions. And then we try to, to build a plan for them. We try to, um, you know, to look at, at what they enjoy doing and bring that into their learning in the hopes that obviously we can, you know, spark that that right, interest right. And, and continue to keep that spark as things get tougher in high school and, of course, you know, after that too. So two questions come to mind right off the really? bat. Really? Because I have 12. <laughs> okay, you're, you're up. Oh, okay. Well, what I want to <laughs> know is, is I, I didn't mean to cut in, Mark. I That's apologize. fine. Um, what I want to know is how your uh, how a parent looking at their student would be able to identify, hey, uh, my, my student belongs in a customized learning mm. environment mm. or a personalized learning environment. Um, so what what are the what are the what are the traits that a parent would be able to not diagnose, but you know, um, uh, you know, run a diagnostic, evaluate their their child, and say, mm. hey, maybe uh, mm. maybe uh, traditional schooling isn't going to fit this kid. 
Yeah, and you know, even that, there is not really a one one answer. But ultimately, if your child is doing well and if your child is happy and enjoys getting up in the morning and going to school, then you know it's 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 not broken. So why fix it? <laughs> right, um, so, but on the other hand, you know, the families that I see, and mind you, every family who wants to come to our program really comes in and speaks with me first. We meet for probably about forty five minutes to talk about what's going on. It's the student who is who doesn't want to get out of bed, who doesn't want to go to school, who comes home, who is very unhappy, who starts to have you know physical anxiety issues mm. where they have stomach aches and other problems, so they don't have to go to school. Um, a student who is so overburdened. Um, with, you know, maybe being in school six hours a day and coming home with another three hours worth of homework that they just can't handle it, or where school is taking up such a huge amount of the the family's um, time and energy that then they have no more other life. I had a family Mm. come in Mm. not long ago where the student was in school for six hours, then they came home, they had to do four hours worth of homework, and, and, you know, they felt like that was all they did, and they just, the, the kids started to lose interest and he's like I don't want to do this I don't want to keep doing this and then you start to wonder okay is there something else is there something that we could do to still have of course our child accomplish what needs to be accomplished for whatever grade level because we still follow what any other traditional um, California public school follows so we follow the common core standards we we administer all the state testing and at the end of whatever grade level our students are they still need to be at whatever they need to know whatever the concepts are that are being taught at that grade level so it's not that we allow our kids to sit at home and you know eat bonbons and watch soaps um we really have a very rigorous academic program but we administer it differently how do you coach up the parents? Because I've got to think that, you know, going the people who want to be teachers go to school for four years on how to teach. And there's uh, currently six. Oh, it's six years. You have to have your master's degree now. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And, and you know you have that. Yes. <laughs> um, but parents don't have master. Heck, they don't have master's degrees in parenting, uh, much less a license to parent. Um, how... How does that work? What support do you provide for the parent? Yeah, we have a lot of support for our parents, and we do a lot of parent training. So, yes, our parents are not inherent teachers, um, as I'm a credential teacher, but if you think about it, you are a teacher. I mean, think about all the things that you've taught your child um, for which you didn't need a a credential, and Mm -hmm. and your child Mm -hmm. has learned just fine. So some of these things, I mean, what do we learn? Um, I don't know, Patrick, about you, but me, for me, a lot of this was, you know, classroom management galore. Mm -hmm. and. and yeah, and and you know, and and paperwork and filling out attendance sheets and all of that. Um, but we do a lot of work with our parents, and that is why you know we feel we're really um, successful in what we're doing. We have what we call, for example, parent boot camps every week, where we bring our parents in and we teach them maybe new things, whether it's on project-based learning or um, just uh, last week we had one of our teachers bring in a math. Um, program 
program that um, is very well liked and and she she showed the families how to use that program effectively it has a lot of manipulatives it's ideal and wonderful for the younger kids and then we do you know we do one-on-one tutoring and we always ask the parents to be there as well. So you can see our prog- program is very heavily parent-involved and driven. They're not just um, there on the sidelines kind of a little bit supervising their kids. They're really involved. We even have a math tutor on wheels, and we're starting to also look into a language arts tutor on wheels, meaning that tutor goes out to the family's homes uh-huh. to also work with the student there, so we have extra contact hours. Um, in addition to that, we also offer um, workshops and classes here. We have study hall and we always, always invite and include the parents because ultimately they become the academic facilitators. We want them to learn and we want them to hear some of the the tricks of the trade, if you so will, um, about what it involves. And then, you know, every family and every student has a credential teacher assigned to them. Mm. So that Mm. teacher always supervisors and they have to meet regularly with that uh, teacher. So if we feel that there is a lack of something, we can immediately intervene and we can immediately bring everybody in to make sure they're staying on track. And you know, the truth is it's not for everybody. It really isn't. So um, sometimes we see that someone came in who is just, it's not a good fit. um, And we will, you know, we'll talk to them and we'll tell them, okay, these are the changes we need to see. If we don't see that, we, we think it may just not be a good fit. And part of the reason why I interview and talk to people before they come in is that we want to make sure they understand what the requirements and the expectations are so we're on the same page. So the latchkey parent is not your market. You're not your target. And it's the parent who, from what I'm hearing, is taking an extremely active role, whether it's because they're nurt- on one end of the bell curve, they're nurturing that genius, and they want to give that genius every opportunity possible. And if that means for the period of time when that genius is in the house, they're going to give you know they're going to teach and do whatever it takes and likewise on maybe special needs or some other kind of at the other end of the bell curve there's that same commitment from the parent so you uh, i'm i'm sensing this high parent involvement which we hear is a a critical success factor with kids anyway right we're getting more involved however the it feels like the current environment, everybody's so busy and so distracted. How, um, how that success rate of those parents, how are you seeing the current distraction and everybody being so busy? How, how are they kind of, how do they fit their kids in? I guess is the question. Well, for one, you have to recognize that, um, I would say with about 95 or 96 percent of our families, um, one parent is at home full time. So that, you know, um, which which is an interesting thing if you think about it from an economic standpoint, because that means most of our families 
are living off one income, which, as mm. you know, in our area is pretty difficult to do mm. these days. Mm. Um, but they do. They make that sacrifice to be home. And so, therefore, there is very little distraction. And what our families have and what we urge them to do is um, to put together a schedule just because they're schooling at home and because they're not, you know, you don't have a, a bell ring at 8 o'clock um, where you need to be at the school and in, in your seat in your classroom doesn't mean that you should not have have a regular schedule as mm, well. Okay. So we urge everybody to have a schedule and everybody needs to do whatever subjects your child is taking. You have to work on those on a daily basis. So if you talk to our families, they will tell you they have a schedule. And when they when they work with their child, that is what they are doing. Now, they may be done. They may start at 8 and they may be done at 1. And so they have the afternoon where they can go to, to do all kinds of other things because our families are very, very active and very busy, and they do a lot of socializing, and they're out in the community because, again, for independent study students, the community is their classroom. So they are mm. out there, and you will see them go and do science experiments at the beach or go on a hike and, and you know, collect things out in nature that they take home and then evaluate and look at under the microscope. But they have a set schedule um, you know, and it may, again, it may not start at eight because maybe that's not when their child's best learning hour is, but they're definitely setting a schedule to work, to work off. Do you think that this is where education is headed? Do you think that this is, um, or maybe not like for all of education, but do you think that like, let's just say, uh, you know, in 50 years or 30 years or 20 years, that this, this might be more of a predominant model for, for the way that, 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 that K through 12 education is happening? Um, you know, it's it, that's an interesting question, and looking at the trend of how um, independent study has changed in the last nine years, it has definitely been a huge trend, certainly in California, and I can't speak for the rest of the country, even though I know that statistics show that throughout the entire country, independent study and homeschooling has gone, has you know, the numbers have gone up tremendously. Partially, it's it's a variety of of reasons. A you know, there's there is so much bullying going on in our local schools oh. and you know and then uh, and that has started with the budget cuts you know mm-hmm. when you have at a traditional high school two, two and a half thousand students and yet you have a handful of yard duties um, there's just no way to monitor what these kids mm-hmm. are doing and and so a lot of students are really hurting um, emotionally and can't take and handle what's happening on the on the school grounds but I also think what has happened is that people started to realize that if you have a classroom of 30 plus students, it's just really difficult to meet these kids' needs. And again, what do you do, Patrick? You've taught in a classroom. We teach to the middle of the bell curve, you know, and we kind of try to diversify what we're doing and giving this kid a little bit extra and slowing down maybe for this kid. But ultimately, we teach to the middle of the bell curve because there are not enough hours in the day for us to prepare lesson plans and prepare um properly to really service every student's needs. My biggest challenge is always the kid who's out ahead of everybody else mm-hmm. and yep. feeling a regret on a, on a kind of a daily or nightly basis when mm-hmm. I know that that kid's potential was just not used 
on any mm. given yep. day, mm. uh, knowing that they could do the assignment. I, I very, I, you know, I'm teaching drawing right now at, at the community college, and I've got three kids that are uh, exquisite, excellent, gifted in every way. And then I've got a, another group that are trying, and they're very diligent. They're working really hard, but I think about those three kids more because I, I feel bad mm. that I don't have time to push them. I don't have time to accelerate them uh, as much right. as I would like. Yeah, but also the other way, if you think about what if a kid really needed your extra attention and yeah. help and support, and you feel horrible because there's no way for you to do that, because m- maybe community college is a little bit different, and I have I have seen a huge difference. I don't know about community college. I haven't taught there, but I've taught in the It's K-12 fun. Well, system. you should come. <laughs> yeah, I've taught in the K-12 system, and then I've taught as an adjunct at Cal Lutheran, oh, yes. your mm. sponsor. Yes. So, um, so I've seen the difference between, you know, like a high school setting and then the college setting. So students who switch and go into a college have a very different motivation. But yeah. certainly at the high school level, you want to help the student who's struggling. But yet, you know, there are so many other kids around who all take up your time and attention mm-hmm. that there is hardly any time left. And and it's, it's, it's a difficult um, dilemma, and it's one... I am sure every teacher who cares struggles on um, trying to make this yeah. work on a daily basis. So homeschooling is has become an alternative for those parents who can do it, who are willing to do it. It's a lot of work and who feel that their child deserves that and 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 again it's it's there's so many facets that play into a decision like that economically too you know can you afford to be on one income um interestingly enough at our school our largest subgroup um is our our socioeconomically low income families mm. we have we have like almost a quarter of our families fall on, into that into that uh, category so they make a huge sacrifice to be able to to work with their child and have that child you know or allow that child to be in a different setting let me take us in a little different direction one of the the ideas of 805 connect which is how, how we have are doing these shows is the bridge between the public sector, the private sector, and education, knowing that if we build strong bonds between them, we will improve the economic vitality of the region, which is why this project exists. Part of what I learned from the foundation in the very early days that we really needed to have a strong focus on education as we educate people the chances of them, you know, getting a good job and going on and raising a good family and being good citizens, that that's a huge contributor to the vitality of, of, you know, our region. I'm curious about one specific thing, which is the socialization that they say you get in the desk, in the seat-based school. How do you address that piece of it so that we, we develop people who know how to collaborate and work in teams. Yeah, and you know that is that is a question that, of course, you know a lot of people ask me unless they've homeschooled all their lives because then it's a lifestyle <laughs> for them. Right. But it's it's one that is is actually a very interesting one, and and I'll tell you why. If you think about it, the setting that we provide for our kids, so it's a K five elementary school, six eight middle school, and then high school, is a pretty artificial setting, and most of the time, other than maybe lunch breaks it at the high school and maybe the passing periods which are very short generally um, so they can't get in a lot of trouble during passing period um, 
but there isn't an awful lot of socialization during the school hour per se. And it is, like I said, a pretty artificial setting because where in life afterwards are you simply with peers that are within about three to four years of your own age? So our kids, not only do they come on campus for our workshops and classes that we offer, they also, our families organize park days, they organize field trips. These families are out in the community and they belong to a variety of organizations. They are, um, they, some, a lot of them go out and volunteer at anything from, you know, like nursing homes to, to, uh, you know, uh, um, preschools, etc. So they are out in the community. They interact with ages from babies to elderly all the way. And these kids are very well socialized. I would actually venture to to guess that most of our kids here are probably more socialized with a larger um, age group and population than than a traditional a traditional school, you know, whatever, elementary school kid. And so they are out there. And unless a family is, you know, choosing to be a total like you know, living like a hermit, they have they have so many activities going and so much going on that socialization is truly not an issue anymore. Maybe it used to be, but again, over the nine years that I've seen this evolve, um, these families are so connected and so so engaged that socialization has truly not been an issue. As a matter of fact, my high school kids. Are probably here at River Oaks are probably much more um, much more social, well spoken. They can communicate with me. They have social skills in the sense of you know looking at you when they talk, being polite, excuse me, thank you, holding doors, which I found. I mean, at, you know, I taught at a big traditional high school, and <laughs> the kids had no idea how to do that for the most part. And I don't know if if you know, but one of the other things is that our new with California changing the, 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 the standards to the Common Core standards, one of the things that we are emphasizing are um, is called college and career readiness. So we really mm. are starting to, to emphasize much more to, to teach our kids how to be ready to go out in the world. And that, in, you know, involves everything from social skills to, you know, career skills as in resume and um, interviews, etc. So we definitely prepare our kids to be hopefully good citizens and ready for the world. I think you made an extremely successful argument. That, <laughs> that, and I, it, as you were, I was writing down, you know, more social, more well-rounded, more interaction, more well-spoken, and then you said all of those things. And... <laughs> I thought, and and it sounded like though those fam, it's a family unit that is more engaged in the community, which uh, is part of the, and again gets back to reinforcing the social fabric, which is a big deal. I'm uh, gonna give you a, a a resource that I think would be really helpful. Um, we are involved in a project called ConnectedEducators.org. And it is a national program to uh, connect teachers around uh, technology, how to get be more facile around technology and use it and take advantage of it and to build um, peer-to-peer um, relationships with other teachers. And there is a uh, homeschool 
uh, classification in there. So when someone signs up, they're not necessarily from a seat-based. Um, I'm going to be using seat-based a lot here. It's going to be your new favorite. I, I love it. Uh, but a, a <laughs> traditional uh, school. So there. So I would um, let you know that um, it's a free resource. There's thousands of teachers and parents uh, and people who are uh, friends of education around the world uh, in that network. And so it's like, how do I blog or how do I do this or how do I do that? So that would be one resource. The other resource is we run a large uh, professional development network for teachers that is open as well to uh, parents and charter schools and things like that for STEM educators. And we've got about 10,000 people in that network. And that's called NEON, which is the NASA Educator Online Network. So NASA originally sponsored it. It's neon.intronetworks.com. And that's a free resource as well for teachers. We, we've we got a, a big soft spot in our, our heart here for uh, providing resources and support and connections, which is why I was thrilled to have this talk, because I've not talked to someone who's in the business of this. Speaking of business, how much does it cost to go to River Oaks? Well, it doesn't. We're we're, it doesn't. we're a publicly we're a publicly funded charter school. So, as a charter school, we actually um, uh, well, we're authorized through the county office of the Ventura County Office of Education, and so we are publicly funded. We Fantastic. submit um, our attendance and everything goes up to the state. So we are a public charter school. Like you know, again, we we, we are we operate the same way like any other school mm. in mm. in the county or in the state. Um, but what we don't have is we don't have those, you know, the district um, kind of bureaucracy that is dragging us down. So when we want to make changes or we want to be, uh, you know, kind of progressive about things or uh, adopt a new curriculum or whatnot, we I have a board of directors that I need to go and run this by, but ultimately they um, they are mostly interested in you know policy they enforce policy and make sure, sure that we stay true to our mission and our vision but um, you know they leave the daily um, operation of the school to me and so I don't know if you've heard but we've just received um, actually a pretty substantial grant um, we wrote last year for I a career pathway grant uh, mm. for $600,000, and we were one of the only charter school that received that. And so we are building career pathway programs um, right now for our students, which is, I mean, the whole program in itself is just amazing. And we collaborate, and you you know mentioned those two um, organizations earlier, where you can collaborate with like-minded people, right. and it is fascinating and amazing to to be able to collaborate with with all the great minds who care about education and who yep. care about making making creating these opportunities for our kids but so ultimately just to answer your question there is no charge for um, our students to be at River Oaks because we do get uh, money from the state which you know we then of course have to to account for and we have to, you know, have certain compliance rules, and and we get audited every year to make sure that, you know, we apply the funds uh, appropriately and that our students uh, do um, academically progress. So. Claudia, there's a, 
this is a we're in a you know an election cycle is coming up and there's a lot of heated debate and a lot of villainization uh you know that's always going around in the media about um education and the way it's funded and and schools and 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 teachers and there's you know always seem to be coming under attack or it's kids these days and their and their lack of attention span and 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 their attention span do you feel like like is it education is the education system the bureaucracy that you're talking about is that the way we state fund and the way we the common core and the way we we mandate from a higher level is that the broken part or is it this generation of parents mixed with the generation of of digital natives who have have grown up with technology who has affected their ability to be in a 19th century style classroom um, where where is the where is kind of the the pressure coming in the broken part? Is it is it do we need to overhaul education from the state level, or do we need to overhaul uh, this generation of learners? Yeah, the million dollar question, isn't yeah. it? Um, it? It you know to me it's a very difficult question. And actually, last year I went to a conference and they had a keynote speaker um, by the name of Amanda Ripley who wrote a book called uh, "The Smartest Kids in the World and How They Got to Be That Way." Mm. And um, and the interesting thing is, you know, I was assuming, oh, she's got the answer to this. We just <laughs> need to listen to her. Right? Well, I was hoping you um, might have the answer as well. Well, you know, the fact is that it is not one single thing. Um, it's it's, it's a multitude of things. I mean, uh, a couple a couple of very interesting points that she made is, um, for one, we sometimes seem to emphasize the wrong thing. You know, if we emphasize and say uh, there is no money, so you need to spend this afternoon standing in line at one of the local stores because they donate 10 cents to, you know, of each burrito that you buy to the school. Yeah. Uh, but yet you're, you're now, you know, standing in line for two hours and that time could have been used maybe to read to your child or, you know, to do homework with your child. But now, ooh, yeah, let, let me have them, give them my 10 cents for that burrito. Um, or ultimately also one of the things that was criticized is that maybe our teachers don't have, are not as educated as others country's teachers are mm. and so therefore do we have teachers who are just not as high quality i mean i don't know i find that we have amazing teachers and if i look at my staff you put my 11 teachers in one room and i'm telling you there's a lot of really brainy mm. people mm. there and we have amazing ideas that that we put together and then you know also california deals with um you know, we have, I mean, so many languages. You go into a classroom where you have maybe 50, 60 percent of your student population who does not speak English, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as their first language. Um, those are all things that, that have to be taken into consideration. And I find, do you have bad apples? you know, within the teacher population. Of course you do. I mean, like in any other in any other um, profession, there are bad apples. But ultimately, I would think that the teachers, most of the teachers that I know who I've worked with and dealt with are dedicated professionals who work really, really hard and work long hours. And so it always makes my heart sink when I hear them attacked on the radio mm. that, oh my gosh, look at our test scores. They, they are really not, you know, we're not doing well or whatever, you know, in the 48th rank or whatever. And then we look at money. Um, Amanda Ripley, that's one of the things she was saying is that other countries, including my home country, which is Switzerland, puts much less money into education than we do in California. So less. it's not necessarily a money thing. You, you, know? you said less money. Yeah. 
Less money, yeah, uh-huh. much less. And other countries, like she looked at Poland and Korea and Finland. Um, Finland, of course, is one of the countries we always talk about who's, that's doing so well with regards to their education. But if you look at their population, you look at their size, I mean, geez, you know, Finland's, um, probably Finland's entire student population is maybe less than the one for LA Unified. So, oh. you know, it, it's, it's really difficult. And ultimately, what I think we need to do is we need to have choices for our students. I think that is, that is the biggest the biggest favor we can do and the biggest support we can show our kids is that if a child does not do well in a traditional school setting, that they have options that they can go and whether it's going to a charter school or just maybe a school that offers a not so traditional approach to learning. And I think that is our best bet. Claudia, when you're in the boardroom and you're or maybe not in the boardroom, you're taking a nice walk and you're dreaming a little bit about the future. What is, kind of what are three years, five years out look like for River Oaks? Well, uh, that, that would be our long range plan. <laughs> <laughs> and right now we are, well, a couple of things. Um, we are looking at, at basically um, duplicating what we are doing here in Westlake within the county of Ventura. Ultimately, a, a dream for me would be to, to spread out even further and to keep the same quality of what we are doing, um, having the same passionate teachers and staff, uh, being able to recruit the same kind of families who really want to be a part of their child's education, the students who really are passionate about learning or have passions that they are, you know, close to and want to want to stay affiliated with and, and, and pursue. Um, so that would be a big dream of mine is sort of to... Um, you know, I guess in the business world, you could almost say it franchise it, you know, duplicate <laughs> sure. it, sort sure. of a McDonald's version, but but in, in education and, and being successful at doing it, that would be um, really amazing because, you know, certainly within the charter world, we have hundreds of thousands of students who are on waiting lists to go into a variety of charter yep. schools. Yep. And I may max my capacity here in Westlake fairly soon. So then what, you know? <laughs> So you I, know, I want to in, be able to open. In, uh, out in the business world, uh, when you have a waiting list, typically means you're not charging enough. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and with yours being free, um, that, that's, that's an interesting challenge. Claudia, I, this has been a really fascinating and eye-opening conversation for me. I've learned so much. And... I'm, I'm just thrilled with what you're doing. How does, so if someone is, um, we have listeners literally all over the world and in Finland. Finland. We're very big in Finland. We, are, we do have listeners in Finland. Hey, all of our Finnish friends, uh, write us. Um, how does someone get a hold of, of your school? And then, I'm gonna, I, then I've got a follow-up contact question after that. So we have a website um, which is River Oaks Academy Charter School. They can they can look us up, or they we should also pop up if they just simply Google Homeschool or Independent Study School in Ventura. Um, we also, of course, have a phone number which is super easy, which is eight zero five seven 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 
Um, and they can email or call us, and then, you know, we're more than happy to, to um, arrange for them to come in and get a tour and talk to us and get more information. But we do have a really nice website that has a lot of information about all the great stuff we're doing and all our, um, you know, how we are different and passion-based, and so they so can get a lot of information. not in the area or they're in Santa Barbara or San Luis Obispo, um, how do they, and this sounds interesting, they go, gosh, my, you know, my child is exhibiting the, the kinds of things you've talked about. They're at one end of this bell curve, and they're not really sure. They're maybe not aware that they could do this. Where do they go to find the resource? Um, so there, there is, well, many... Well, let me backtrack here. So I can, um, as a charter school, I can enroll from from adjoining counties. So any contiguous county to Ventura County, essentially, a student could enroll in our program. Uh, However, there are other charter schools who are also um, uh, doing a similar program that we are doing, maybe with some slight differences. If they want to connect with me, I am more than happy to guide them. Uh, There is uh, the personalized learning organization that I referred to earlier. It's called A-plus, um, Personalized Learning. Um, they have an entire list of schools that are very similar to what we are, um, again, with some modifications because, again, we're thinking 31 flavors. But I'm always happy to guide people and, and, and you know, send them to, to schools that I network with or that, you know, if they're up in the San Francisco area and, and send them to, to contacts that I know of. So they can hopefully make sure that their child gets the best learning experience and is successful in, in what he or she is doing. Well, that, that's, that's what we want. And uh, I'll make sure that there are all the links are in the show notes. And so as listeners of the show know, this is the time when we get to the fun part, which is to understand that for this show to stand out in a list of all the shows and all the podcasts in the world, a great title is going to compel someone to click and listen. And I, and I think every parent should hear this message. And I think that businesses um, want to listen to this as well because it might be a great, uh, a, a great place to have their youngsters go to school. Um, what should we call this conversation? You have a four or five words we could put a title on this? You get first dibs. Wow. Um I have, I, 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 gosh, I'm, I'm a little bit at a loss for this. I mean, um, what, you know, we, we are essentially, we are creating our future, you know, our future here. And so I don't know if you want to tie something like this and, you know, um, I don't know, Patrick, I'll throw this back to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, that's a, first, that's a first time. I like, I like that. Uh, uh, something with charter school and creating future. Um, they're creating futures future citizens. You know? Oh, yeah, oh, there, see, we oh, we always get to it. Yeah. Um, as as much as um, uh, this is, uh, it's fun. I think it's more fun for me because I I know that that first answer is never the one. <laughs> the second answer is halfway there, and the third answer is usually ba boom. That's it. So, Claudia, this is one of those conversations. This happens to me a lot on this show, but um, this is one of those conversations where I, where I I am so envious of your students and so envious of the experiences mm, that they're having. Mm. And I, I I really do feel like back in the eighties, I wish I had the opportunities uh, that it yeah. seems like your students are being afforded. So uh, keep it up. Really really excited to hear about it. 
Yeah, thank you. It it is truly. It's it's amazing. And again, you know, it's um it's one of those things where when you go to work in the morning, it's it's truly it's not a job. <laughs> to me this is this is way more. And everybody who walks in here, you can feel um, you can just feel it in here when you walk in. Mm-hmm. There is there is something in the air that just makes people. It, it's contagious, mm-hmm. um, you know. And and it's it goes from staff to parents to students to the board members, and you know, with that kind of energy, you can create some amazing things. And it's truly, I mean, it's truly, for me, it's it's a dream come true working in an environment like this. I love that. We find our passion. Claudia, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm going to send Greg a thank you note for letting us know about you. I also want to thank California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services and our podcasting partner, Pull String Press. You want to go check out their shows as well. Um, You can find links uh, on our site. And I want also thank Cielo24, who provides the searchable captions for the show. The 805 Connect Project is supported by partners and sponsors throughout the region. We want to thank them as well. You can find more information at 805connect.com. Now, Patrick, uh, we're constantly, I mean, we're growing our audience, but we need help. Yeah, yeah, and that means that you, the listener, is our best advocate out there. And one of the things you can do is I know that while you were listening to this particular episode, you were thinking of a parent friend of yours mm. who has a either a, a child who just doesn't um, doesn't need needs to hear this episode. Yeah. So so uh, act on that feeling and uh, call them right now or send them an email with the link uh, to this particular episode because uh, I really do believe uh, that this was a good one. Yeah, it was a great one. I also would love to hear from you, but who else wants to hear from us? Your mothers. Call your mothers right now. Uh, It's really silly that uh, you haven't called them yet, so do it. And I would love to hear from you as well. Um, As I run into people around town and in the region at various events, you come up to me and you're very, very gracious with your comments. It, it, It does keep us going. And you always have ideas of people to um, have on the show. So you can send me those ideas. Don't wait for me to run into you to mark at 805connect.com. I, I love that. And thank you so much for doing that. So until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations.